What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias towards the Indiana Pacers. And it's been a surprisingly big week or big day in Pacers news. We're obviously looking for a new head coach, and there's a lot of news around about who that head coach might be. There was uh, a report today from Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, a rare Woj tweet about the Pacers, and Chauncey Billups, Mr. Big Shot, finals MVP of the 2004 uh, Detroit Pistons, uh, who defeated Kobe and Shaq uh, in a really surprise uh, victory at the time, a long time uh, I guess, confidant of a lot of NBA guards, a uh, long-time, very, very well-respected NBA player and future executive or future coach, always thought of in that uh, that vein. And off the top, we we need to talk about Chauncey Billups, guys. Um, welcome, Justin and Alex, as usual. I'll start with you, Justin. Chauncey Billups was uh, named as a, a possible candidate for the coaching job, the Indiana Pacers. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive fan. I messaged you guys as soon as Wodge tweeted out his bomb, um, probably like one minute after. For for me, I haven't been that excited about any of the potential candidates so far. Like that list that went viral with the sports betting odds of all the Pacers candidates with like Mike D'Antoni as favourite. I, I wasn't excited by anyone, but as soon as I saw the Wodge bomb with Billups, I was like, wow, he's, he's going to be the pick for me. Um, he's new, he's unproven, which I personally want. I think Pacers have to look outside the box. Uh, he's played in the league. He's not a player that, you know, I didn't know who he was like as a player. Like Nate McMillan, obviously I heard things. But Chauncey Billups, I personally watched his prime, you know, with those Pacer battles in the Eastern Conference Finals. Chauncey Billups was the leader of that Detroit team. He's won a Finals MVP. Um, and, you know, there's that rumour going around that, yeah, he's, um, he's built a relationship with some Pacer players. So, for me, I know we'll touch on that a bit later, but yeah, for me, Chauncey Billups is probably my option A, B, and C. Alex, that's a pretty strong endorsement from Justin of one of the candidates. There's been a lot thrown around, and we'll, we'll get to talking not too much about them because there's a lot of NBA that we want to talk, but um, I want to direct your attention to Chauncey for a second. Um, you know, you you didn't watch Chauncey's prime like Justin and I did. There's a bit of an age difference there. You didn't get to see the 2004 finals probably as live as as we did. So what's your thoughts on Chauncey, both as a player and a prospective head coach? Yeah, as you mentioned, I didn't, I didn't get to watch really any of Billup's career. But from all I've heard and from what I've seen today, a lot of people comparing him to Brogdon. So, you know, when you, you look at reportedly... Brogdon had some beef with Nate McMillan. I don't know how true those rumors are. But if you're looking at, at a Pacers team who had that disconnect with a coach, and KP talked about this, he wants to get a guy who's, a more, who's more understanding of today's players. I think you look at Billis and he's that guy, isn't he? I think, yeah, you mentioned Mike D'Antoni earlier, Justin. And I think, although I like him in theory, I think that if you're looking for a guy who's complete opposite of Nate, and who's going to communicate with the players better, and who's going to be a players first coach? I think you've got to go with a former player, don't you? And I think we're, we're not getting Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, yeah, I know. Especially yeah. after what um, uh, I think their owner Dale Morey came out and said that yeah. he was their number one priority. So yeah, you're one hundred percent right there. But um, you know, obviously, I'm not a not as big as a fan of him as as Justin is apparently. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's definitely up there, probably top top three candidate for me. 
Yeah, I, I was trying to think of some words that come to mind when I think of Chauncey Billups and, and two, I think, came to mind in particular. One is respect because I, I think he's got the respect of, of everyone that he played with. Uh, he was in demand there for a while. I think before his career got cut short, there was a move for, to get him to the Knicks and he was one of the amnesty players on the Knicks when the amnesty clause was uh, introduced. I think he had an Achilles injury or a knee injury. Uh, but he was supposed to form the big three with uh, with Melo and Amari Stoudemire there for a second. Uh, he, you know, he was very very well respected in Detroit, um, and also poise uh, is another one that that springs to mind. Uh, you know, one of the I was playing two K the other day, and uh, one of the badges there is uh, is ice in veins, uh, a guy that can hit free throws in a late game situation. There is the first player I remember. Um, as a, a young man looking at and, say, and saying that guy can hit any free throw at any point in the game, whether it be double OT, one second left to win the game. Chauncey Billups was as automatic at the line as you could possibly want. And he clearly has a lot of poise. He clearly has a lot of, I guess, um, mental fortitude. Um, and I think the, the underrated part about his career, you look at where he had the most success, Detroit. He played alongside... Ben and Rashid Wallace, two of the bigger personalities in the league, two of the the guys that you know you want to go to war with, but at the same time you you know you know they're they're one second away from from you know doing probably something a little bit silly as we saw Ben do in the in the Malice at the Palace, as we saw Sheed do with his relationship with the referees, and then in in uh, Denver he he got a young impressionable Carmelo Anthony to the Western Conference Finals as as the leader of that Denver Nuggets team where they. Uh, came very close to defeating Kobe in a championship year. So, you know, you can't discount Chauncey Billups' accomplishments on the court, but you also can't discount the way that he played the game and the way that he approached uh, the relationships that he had with his teammates. And if he brings the same approach to a head coaching role, I think the Pacers could do a hell of a lot worse than Chauncey Billups. And and I'm hesitant to call him my absolute tippy-top candidate, um, but... He's definitely up in my top two or three in no particular order. That's for sure. Um, yeah, he, he he just quit. He just ticks a lot of boxes. Like, yep. you, you see, KD and um, Kyrie Irving obviously av- advocate for Steve Nash, and you know why that is because he's a former player. He's a smart point guard. So these are things Chauncey Billups has as well. That you know these players are going to play hard for him because if Steve Nash pulls KD or Kyrie into line, they're not going to go oh. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They know Steve Nash has been there before and Chauncey Billups has won the finals MVP. He's been on the biggest stage and done it before. You know, you can't be a player and just scoff at, you know, the coach telling you something when they've been there and done it. He got traded for Allen Iverson and took Denver further than Allen Iverson did. Mm-hmm. And you know how well Allen, how respected Allen Iverson is as a player. But, you know, Allen Iverson was a scorer. Mello was a scorer. Billups is a leader, a facilitator, a playmaker. You know, he, he, you know, he's not, his name, nickname is Mr. Big Shot. And, you know, he did hit a few big shots throughout his career. He's uh, that nickname I've always tended to laugh at because it's not as if he was hitting big shots every week, but um, yeah, he, he's clearly a a very qualified candidate in when it comes to being an NBA head coach. Um, I, I want to talk about the relationship with the players and, you know, Justin alluded to it earlier, Alex, that, that, uh, there may be a relationship with Oladipo and Brogdon. Do you think that hiring a coach like Chauncey Billups would be a sign that the organization wants to make good and and repair any any ill relationship with Oladipo and try and extend that olive branch? 
Man, I think it's just if he had two years left on his deal, one hundred percent. But the fact that he's a one-year rental essentially, and you know that even if you make it to the second round, let's be honest, like what's keeping him in Indy? I don't know if a coaching change really, really changes that that much. If I'm being completely honest, you know we've said it the last couple of weeks. We're pretty, I mean, Justin, I'm sure you're 100%, but I'm about 98% that VO is not going to come back. So I think you have to maximize his value this off season. And, you know, I'm sure KP is already having these conversations. It's a tough one, but unfortunately, I don't think any coach is going to, is going to sway VO from, from leaving if he wants to. Justin, is it, is there any possibility that hiring a Chauncey Phillips can convince Oladipo to stay? And do you want that to happen? Um, that's a good, good question there. Like, I mean, when I was putting, I was writing notes before the episode and I wrote some positives about Chanty Phillips and I wrote, has built a relationship with Brogdon and Oladipo in brackets useless. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of my opinion on it. Like, I don't think like, same with you, Alex, like, I don't think it will change anything with Oladipo. Um, you guys know my thoughts on that and I, I'm, I will be shocked if Oladipo resigns, I'm I'm nearly willing to put everything I own on the line. I, Oladipo's gone. I just I've seen it all before, so I don't think Kevin Pritchard would would hire a coach in the thought of hoping Oladipo stays for the coaching change. Like you're essentially then saying Oladipo only wanted out of Indiana because Nate McMillan, which I don't believe. So. Um, yeah, to answer your question, no. Do I want it to happen? Yeah, of course I want Oladipo to stay a pacer, but it ain't happening. That's a sad truth. That's a very sad truth bomb. Um, I, look, I think it's definitely a sign that they want a coach that can build relationships with players and can, you know, I guess, empathize with the modern player if they sign a younger guy. And that's not just Chauncey. That's any younger player. Like, I'm Udoka played at the same time as Chauncey Billups. Like you could make the same argument about his ability to, you know, be able to relate to players, obviously nowhere near as successful. I Doka was a role player that played in Europe for a lot of his career, but um, you know, Chauncey has the, the youth on his side, has the connections on his side. But I think the most important thing is the respect um, of his peers for what he's accomplished throughout his career. And that can go a, a long way um, as we've seen with other head coaching uh, players to head coaching candidates across the league, or it could go very poorly. Um, and, you know, <laughs> there have been plenty of players that have adopted head coaching jobs that haven't gone quite as well. Derek Fisher is one that springs to mind. Uh, he won multiple championships for the Lakers, known as a point guard, a shooter, you know, very well-respected union president, not a good coach. Uh, he's a good WNBA coach now. And I hope, you know, he, has a good coaching career, whatever league he decides to coach at. But, you know, there are examples of players not, um, not filling a need at coach. Magic Johnson tried his hand at coaching for a moment and then I would argue Jason Kidd as well. Yeah. I don't think that that went, that didn't go well. So (laughs) Justin, anyone else spring to mind? Any other former (laughs) players that have just, uh, bombed as coaches? I mean, Isaiah Thomas didn't, didn't go that great for the Pacers. I don't know. Did Jim O'Brien play for anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) 
he may have he may have i mean look obviously nate was was a was a decent player you played with those sonics teams and and did pretty well but um you know it, it's it's a little touch and go at times with all stars um going into coaching um but look i think it it shows an organization that's willing to explore different opportunities and i want to talk to you guys about the different opportunities they're exploring it seems like kevin pritchard to his credit is casting a wide net with this coaching search um Justin, talk about uh, actually, Alex. I'll start with you because you sent out a couple of tweets lately, a couple of a uh, couple of hashtags happening. Um, are there any candidates that you particularly like? Who are your preferred candidates based on the names that have been leaked through the media? Well, yeah, much like Chauncey Billets, I'm going with a former player who's also a winner, and that is Becky Hammond. I know. A lot of people seem to have, it's almost you either really want it or you really don't with her. From, that's at least what I've gave so far in the responses from Pacer Twitter. But a lot of people are on board with that. You know, she won in the WNBA as a player. She won the gold medal. She won, I think, in the summer league when she coached the Spurs. So, you know, anywhere she goes, she wins. And, I mean, <laughs> learning from Pop for, you know, arguably the greatest coach of all time for, for six or seven years doesn't hurt either. So, I think if you're, if you're going to go with a maybe a more experienced option. I know she hasn't head coached before in the NBA, but she's got a lot of previous experience. So I'm fully on board with that. Justin, Becky Hammond. Well, I think it's great. We're at a stage, uh, you can have a conversation about a woman being an NBA coach. I think it will happen in the league um, very soon. Um, You know, from all reports, you know, she's a great assistant coach. I don't want her as the Pacers head coach. And that's because I'm just looking under the Greg Popovich kind of family tree. And, you know, it's happened in the NFL as well with Bill Belichick. You'd say Belichick and Popovich are probably two of the best coaches in their respective sports. But you you look at Greg Popovich's assistants, let's run through them. Brett Brown just got fired. Jim Boylan just got fired. Alvin Gentry just got fired. Mike Brown fired. Earl Watson fired in his first league. uh, Budenholzer. Budenholzer. Probably fired. You know, he can't succeed in the playoffs. Jock Vaughn struggled for three years in Orlando. These are the assistants of Greg Popovich that everyone's gone, oh, we've got to hire assistant of Greg Popovich. You know, let's steal what the Spurs are doing. None of them them have been successful. So what I'm sitting here going is I don't want Becky Hammond. It may be unfair on her, but to me, I'm just going on the history of Greg Popovich's assistants and... You know, I, I looked into Bill Belichick's assistant coaches. It's so similar. many NFL. It's yeah, so similar. And if I think um, his assistant coaches are a forty-seven percent win ratio in the NFL, um, you can even you know say in the Australian league with Alistair Clarkson assistants. You know, some have been unsuccessful. Um, Brendan yep. Bolton just got fired. Just hiring an assistant of a great coach doesn't always work. So for me, Becky Hammond's a no, but. I think in the near future, we will have a women's coach. Yeah, agree. I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Becky Hammond can't make it to the last few at the very least, if not potentially get the role. It's clear that she's got the resume to be able to get it. Um, and she's definitely well-respected among her peers, which, you know, goes a long way in the NBA. Um, I, I think, you know, as you say, it's fantastic that we're even having the conversation and um, we're, we're not even bringing gender into the conversation. Um, in terms of candidates that I, I like the sound of, um, I, I probably haven't done a lot of um, 
a lot of research into a lot of the assistants that uh, that have been named. Uh, I think the I'm probably more looking at the coaches I don't want rather than the coaches that I do because I don't know enough about the coaches that I um, that I may want. But I know that I don't want a guy that's already coached in the league. To be frank, I don't want Dave Yeager. I don't want Jack Vaughan. Um, I I really don't want any of those uh, former head coaches because those four Kenny Atkinson, for example. Um, I don't want coaches that have already failed in the NBA. Um, and failed recently in the NBA uh, because I, I don't think it's uh, appropriate to give that sort of a coach the Pacers role because it seems like a very Pacers thing to do, a very safe move. And I feel like it now, now is the time to take a chance on someone that's unproven. Um, you know, Justin, you and I were talking about this earlier today. Nate McMillan elevated from the assistant coaching role. Frank Vogel elevated from the assistant coaching role. You know, we've always looked in inside our own four walls for a coach. We've always looked at voices that are already well-established in the organization. We clearly need a new voice on the bench and we clearly need someone that hasn't potentially had the opportunity to head coach before uh, and we need to take a chance. So I would be, I'd be stoked to see a Chauncey Billups get the opportunity. I'd be stoked to see a Becky Hammond get the opportunity. Any of the... Obviously, the um, assistant coaches that are named, um, I don't know their pedigree. I don't know what they're known as, what their brand is in terms of whether they're offensive, defensive, relationship, all around. There's no real sort of place you can go. There's no assistant coach basketball reference where you can check these guys and see what they're good at and what they're not. So uh, I just know that I, I want someone that's, that's a new face, that's a new name, that's a fresh, uh, fresh face and a chance. Um, Alex... Yeah. Are you against an established coach becoming the next coach of the Pacers? Um, one thousand percent with you, man. I saw, <laughs> I saw someone reply to us the other day saying that they wanted. I think Brett Brown. They said was like a top two candidate for them, and I was like, no, please. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, no. if we, what's the point of firing Nate if you're just going to hire Nate two point and that's what they did when they fired Frank Vogel, they hired Frank Vogel 2.0. <laughs> so yep. I want them to go with someone like you said, who's maybe unproven, who hasn't maybe been given the shot. And I just want to throw a name out there. You said assistance. I think Dan Craig with the bulls targeting Billy Donovan, because I know that they were interviewing Dan Craig as well with them going after Billy Donovan. Now I think he could be a name that's definitely in the top three or finalist, if you will, for the Pacers head coaching job. And he's won a, a G League championship as coach. Also, wasn't um, I could be wrong here, but wasn't Spolster a, a video intern or coordinator yeah, he was. before he was a coach? He was. And yeah, so was Dan Craig. So I don't know, maybe just something there. I'm probably reading too much into it, but I think he's a name we'll see a lot of. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Justin. I, I don't know whether you happen to do any research into these assistants, but is there anyone sort of under the radar that you like the the sound of? Not, not really. And I'd rather admit I don't than say, yeah. oh, I know all about this assistant coach. I think Same. some people try and act like they know all these coaching strategies and what they'd bring to the paces when, frankly, we don't know what an assistant coach would bring. We'd only know what past coaches or, or maybe former players would bring off their playing style. But nah, no, no assistant coaches that ring a bell with me. Um, I just think it's going to be interesting. Like I'm of the same uh, school of thought as you two where I want an unproven coach. Um, 
And look, if it's someone I've never heard of, I will trust Kevin Pritchard. Uh, obviously, he's interviewing so many people. He's going through an exhaust, you know, such a big interview process that whoever gets the job must have, you know, interviewed the, 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 the wall down. They must have been very impressive. And it's, it's going to be interesting that, you know, Alex, I might throw to you, Kevin Pritchard will put, how do you think I should deal with Miles and Domas? He will put that question oh, to every yeah. single candidate. Yeah. And it's scary to think the future of the Pacers is probably in someone's hands we don't even know right now because I feel that answer the coach gives is going to go a long way to them getting the job and then a long way to what Kevin Pritchard does with both of them. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, well, I mean, that's been the conversation since, you know, 14, 15 months ago, since the last offseason. Will Domas and Sabonis, oh, sorry, Domas and Turner, will they even work, firstly? Secondly, can you find someone that's going to get them to work? I think we saw stages where they were good together. We saw stages where they weren't. I mean, you know, if you're a coach, you know today's style doesn't really suit two bigs, right? I mean, it's just that simple. So it's it's definitely a tough conversation, but I think that, you know, Jay Michael mentioned this in an interview about a week or so ago. He said that he could see two of the three bigs in Domas, Miles, and Goga get uh, get moved this offseason. I think wow. I could easily see, maybe not two of them, but I could easily see One either Miles or Domas not being on the roster next season. It, does Kevin Pritchard have a conversation with any player on the roster before making the head coaching decision, Justin? No. Any player? No, because there's, uh, if you I asked me two will, years though. ago, yes, but Ooh. there's no leader on this team now. Like, who, who's he going to, I'd say, geez, maybe Brogdon, maybe, mm. because Kevin's got so much respect for the way he carries himself and the way he leads. But, I mean, you're not running it past Oladipo. You, you don't have to run it past Sabonis or Turner. Um, no. Alex, you disagree? Well, no, I agree that he shouldn't have to. But you look back at two seasons ago, I remember they were they were going to let Tyreek Evans go after that incident. But it was, I think it was him, KP, Thaddeus Young, and maybe DC as well. DC. They yeah. all, they, yeah, he ran it past the players and said, you know what? They wanted a chance to, to, let, to, to see what this group can do. He wanted to trade players. He didn't really want to go after guys like Wesley Matthews, I don't think. But it was the players that influenced that decision because they wanted to compete. So, if anything, though, does that teach him that that's the wrong way to go about it and he needs to trust his own do. gut? He could do. Uh, maybe. You can only listen to the players so much. I think what he did that yeah. year was incredibly noble and great, but I think he's been patient long enough now. He hasn't swung for the fences since he really yeah. took over. I'm not categorizing the Paul George trade on him because he was basically dealt with it. Yeah. Um, I think this year's his year. This is Kevin Pritchard offseason. You know, go to work, you know. Listen to your assistant GMs. Um, Adam, I'll, I'll put this one to you. If you were interviewing for the, co- uh, for the head coach's role for the Pacers, would you find it difficult telling Kevin Pritchard that you should trade Domas or Miles? No. Would, would, how honest would you be to get I, that job? I think, I think with, this, with, with that sort of role, you have to know that you have to have context. We've just got swept twice, twice in two years. There is something 
amiss with either the makeup of the roster or the personnel themselves, the personalities in the locker room. So I think you have to answer the question as pragmatically as you possibly can to say, we need a full review of this roster. We need to understand what players fit well together and what moves we could possibly make to increase that fit, increase that chemistry uh, and play the way that, that we want to play. And here's the way that I want to play. And then you lay it out, obviously, what your brand is, what you value as a coach, what personality traits, what you know, types of players that you, you, know, you value and you think could be winning players in the league. And you know, I think you have, to, you have to lay it all on the line if you're going to go for this, this role. You have to be bold. Like we know that you know, Nate, um, Kevin, they're not backwards in coming forwards. They're, they're not going to back down. People in the Pacers organization are going to make their feelings known. They may not get what they want, but they're going to be open and honest. So I think you have to be as open and honest as you possibly can in an interview like that to a point. You have to be as respectful as you can because ultimately if you get this role, you're coaching these players. Like if there's no, if there's no move made, you're coaching who you've got. But you also have to say, look, this is my view. This is the view that I'm going to put forward. However, regardless of what happens with this roster, I'm going to coach this team and I'm going to get it the best out of the players that I've got. I think that's yeah. the response. Yeah, it's, it's a great answer. It's just always, like you mentioned, it's hard going in interviewing saying you need to essentially blow this team up yeah. when yeah. Uh, it might be come across really bad and Kevin Pritchard might be like, hey, you know, that's not happening. Yeah. The other thing you can't do, like if you're a prospective coach, you can't walk in there, Alex, and say, this team could win a championship next season. Like, can you, can you sit across from Kevin Pritchard on a Zoom call on an interview say that and do you think that's an appropriate thing to say do you think that this team is one good coach away from a championship oh man uh obviously the Pacers fan in me wants to say yes but I look at the the competition in the league and you know who who's left the Lakers they have LeBron and AD the Clippers have two of the best top 10 players you know Raptors have two all-stars so yeah, and Celtics, Celtics have, have two all Celtics have yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think coaching can do a lot. Obviously, it can influence the way you play and and everything, and it can make you succeed. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the talent on your roster, you can only go so far. So, man, I think I think it's it's going to have to be KP doing a bit of both, isn't it? It's going to have to be finding the right coach, but also understanding that what the roster you have right now probably is not going to win your championship. No. no. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so on the fence about it because, mm. like, what do you guys think is the pace of ceiling? I'm, I'm just like, oh, we're such a long way away. I still away think conference that. finals. I still think yeah. they can make the conference finals. But Yeah, like, we got swept two years in a row. It doesn't look great. But then you're looking at, we had the seventh best record in the league this year, fourth seed without basically a whole starting lineup like yeah. <laughs> playing together so you look at it like that are we a, a step or two away do we just need to get a better coach and um get some better bench players which i've been preaching for years the ceiling um, the ceiling for this team i think is sneaking into the conference finals and losing you know in a conference finals and, and you know that's that's the absolute ceiling for me. I don't think the ceiling for this team is winning a conference finals and getting to a championship, let alone competing for that championship. So yeah. if your ceiling is the fourth best team in the league or the fifth best team in the league, then maybe you're one move away from a championship. 
And if yeah. there's a GM that's capable of upgrading a position or getting, you know, a really good return for a guy like Victor Oladipo, it's Kevin Pritchard. So, you know, you have the greatest of faith in his ability to be able to make a move. But I think the car- the roster is presently constructed with, you know, the chemistry issues that have been reported with, you know, Victor Oladipo not necessarily being, you know, committed long-term to the team and not showing, you know, his all-star form. I don't see the ceiling of this team to be any more than the fourth or fifth best team in the league, which is not a championship. Justin? Did, did you guys hear the rumour, and God, I hope it's not true, that Oladipo was very, very sour on the attention TJ Warren got in the bubble? Did, um, I didn't hear that, no. I, 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 I that. heard it from the credible source, and I'll, okay. I'll drop that as the pastry. Credible source that he was very unhappy that TJ Warren was the leading player on Center. He wanted the attention as Oladipo's come back from injury. Um, you know, he's putting it all on the line. But Drop 53 the points then, buddy. Drop 53 points. That whole media. I mean, TJ Warren was, you guys know, he was on the jump. He was, yeah. he was being interviewed by Rachel Nichols. He was everywhere. And from what I hear, that rubbed Oladipo the wrong way. And I know rumors are rumor. You never know what to believe him. But, geez, you saw his attitude in the bubble. I'm inclined to think some of that may have been true. If there was one thing I wasn't expecting on this show, it was an exclusive from yourself, <laughs> Justin. Alex, what's your rapid reaction to that? Oh, I think I almost just threw up, mate. <laughs> if that, oh, I, like Justin said, I hope that's not true because. God, that's a that is a shocking look, isn't it? Especially you're the franchise guy. That is, yeah. yeah. Fingers well, crossed, I, that's not true. <laughs> I was as surprised surprised as you guys. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't raise it on the show if I didn't yeah, hear yeah. it from someone I believe. I, I'm it's not just someone on Twitter. And um, all I can go off is my own two eyes. And geez, yeah. I mean, from what we dude, saw, it, it wouldn't surprise us. Yeah. yeah no, the, the body language yeah. doctor you know, thought the Vic's body language was not great. It, you know, it, it was really bad in different times. You know, he was obviously after the Miami game, we know that's been publicized, um, you know, his comments following the season. But, you know, it just the body language wasn't great. And uh, I, this is coming from three people that own Victor Oladipo jerseys. Like, this is not, this is not people who aren't supporters of this guy, but you, you can only go off what you see. Um, because we, you know, we're not having a conversation with the guy. We can't uh, get inside his head and figure out what he's thinking. But the the optics haven't looked good since the start of the year for Victor Oladipo, and I think we've discussed it at length. Um, quickly, guys, before we wrap up, I want to talk NBA as a wider uh, league. We're obviously deep into the playoffs right now. We're heading towards a game seven between Boston and Toronto. Miami are already booked into the Eastern Conference Finals, and I feel a hell of a lot better about the sweep now than compared to what I did a couple of weeks ago. It looks like it's probably going to be Lakers Clippers on the other side, which is exciting. Um, just a very quick prediction. Who at the moment is your prediction to win the NBA championship, Alex? Oh, man. Oh, it pains me to say, but oh no, I'll go Clippers. I'll go, Clippers. I'll go Clippers. I'll go Clippers. It's all right. <laughs> Which actually still pains me to say, yeah, by the yeah, way, because PG, it does, PG thirteen. So yeah. look, I, I did send my my friends a text the other day saying oh, I'm I'm ready to turn off the Clippers Heat Finals. I'm ready to just turn <laughs> it off. 
Good luck. There's no to winners Look, there. <laughs> good luck to both teams. The only loser is Pacers, Pacers fans. Um, but that's certainly what it looks like we're heading towards. Miami look completely unstoppable. Yeah. Um, although Toronto and Boston, I think, are playing better than Milwaukee were playing. So that will be a test for them. Um, the Clippers just look like a, you know, a Leviathan in the playoffs. They, they look unbelievable. Um, I was a fan of Denver. I hope that Denver would go further, but it's hard to go past the Clippers in the heat right now. Justin, what do you think? Couldn't agree more. Basically stole the words from my mouth. Uh, Miami's been the best performance to me. Um, obviously, we watched all four games against Indiana, five games against Milwaukee. Um, Funny, funny that uh, Boston Toronto series has gone seven games. If OG and Anobi doesn't hit that game winning three in game don't three, don't talk about it, mate. I don't yeah. want to talk yeah. about OG. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's probably a clean sweep, four zero. Um, but yeah. now it's going to game seven, so it shows what one shot can do. Um, who I think will win it all? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Lakers don't have as uh, they don't have good enough shooters. Um, I, I want to say Lakers because I, I'd love for them to do it for Kobe. Um, I just cool stories. Frank, Frank Vogel as well. Vogel, yeah. man, I, I want Vogel to win a championship so bad. Like I've met that guy, nicest guy. I I would literally be so happy for that guy if he wins a championship. So I'm going to say Lakers, but that's just because my heart. Like with paces out, I always said I'll, I'll, I'll. This is the one year I want Lakers to win it. I'm cheering for a Toronto Lakers finals. I'm cheering yes, for please. that. I think, you know, if we got a Toronto Lakers finals, I think that'd be really cool. I think it'd be a really cool story on both sides. Toronto doing it without Kawhi. The Lakers, in, in light of what the year's been, I think that'd be very, a very cool way to end the year. And I think there'd only be winners at the end of the day. So and that's can, what I'm pulling can for. You, can you imagine if Lakers won at all, how much Instagram stories LeBron would post with... <laughs> oh, yeah. Lock- hashtags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I reckon he'd have to make another account because Instagram... (laughs) Also, a a OG finals MVP might send Pacers Twitter into depression. No, I can't. I can't. (laughs) Guys, I can't. I really... I ignored the first time you brought it up. Um, I'm I'm now and forever banning any mention of the words OG and Anobi unless it's in context of a Pacers (laughs) trade for OG and Anobi. I'm out. Guys, I'm out. Uh, I'm done. Let's quickly, I'll hit you two with a hard-hitting question since we're kind of on the subject. Will TJ Leaf be on the roster next year? Yes or no? Um, he's he's going to be in Maccabi next on, year. I was going to say, on the Maccabi roster, yes. Yes, yeah. he will be on the Maccabi roster next year. I wish him all the best um, in, in EuroLeague. And I think he's going to put up numbers. And I think he's going to be one of those players that goes to Europe, kills it, and then comes back as a grizzled veteran and plays an important role on an NBA team, you know, in about five years' time. So I think, yeah. I think he, he, needs, uh, he needs some development. He needs some time. He needs some minutes. He needs some, someone to show a lot of faith in him. Uh, and I wish him all the very best in his future endeavours. And I think we'll end it there. Guys, this is a bit just depressing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, very depressing end to the episode, but... Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Go Lakers.